0: you're listening to kitchen table finance join dave shotwell and nick nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical
1: hey dave how you doing today
0: not bad at all nick it's a good day
1: Beautiful day. Beautiful day to do a podcast. Absolutely. So we have a hot topic for today. Uh, We've gotten several questions around these things. There's been several articles around this particular financial instrument, and that is the I-bond. So what exactly is an I-bond, Dave? Yeah.
0: So an I-bond is a U.S. Treasury savings bond that has its interest payments linked to inflation. And last week, they grabbed everybody's attention by announcing that the rate on new bonds was 9.62%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which, (laughs) Which, you know, to put that in context, that's essentially saying, the same return is what we would expect like long-term re- rate returns on an entirely stock portfolio. And, right. you know, treasury bonds, you have no principal risk, right? You don't have to worry about the, mm-hmm. about the, uh, about getting your money back.
1: Safest investment out right. there. Isn't that what they say? Right.
0: right. Yeah. All the, uh, all the fancy formulas to build portfolios are based on the assumption that uh, treasury notes are the, te- the risk-free investment. So these are, these are an offshoot of that. Anyway, the thing about the nine, so I would preface this by saying is neither one of us has anything against I bonds and they look really, really good right now, but there's a few things everybody needs to know about I bonds and about that 9.62% headline rate that to put it in perspective, to make sure that these belong in your portfolio. And aren't aren't just you're not just chasing a headline.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, interestingly enough, the I bonds actually were introduced in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been around for what is that, 24 years yeah. or so. But you know, in my career. Which doesn't quite span that time. Um, it's something that has been mentioned, but not all that you know right. popular as it has been right yeah. now. But obviously, the big reason for that is we weren't getting nine percent on these things no. in that time yeah. frame. Yeah, inflation over that time frame has been next
0: to nothing. So it was like the Federal Reserve created these things, or the Treasury created these things, but you know nobody had any reason to buy them. Yeah. So, which is interesting. We should loop back to that idea at the end after we've kind of explained how they work. So, yeah. first of all, 9.62% is an annualized return. And the interesting thing about iBonds in terms of announcing an annualized return is that the rates reset every six months. So, essentially, if you buy a bond today based on the May pricing, they, they get repriced every May and November, the true rate that you'll get over that six months is 4.81% of your money. So they're taking that and doubling it and saying, you know, to compare it to how people think about returns, it's always in 12 month increments. So you're not really getting, if you invest a thousand dollars, you're not getting 9.62% on that. You're getting 4.81 over that six months.
1: Yeah, and so the the big question is: after that six months, those rates will reset. Right. So, I mean, theoretically, it could be higher if inflation continues to go up. More than likely, it will probably come down yeah. from there. Um, but that will all depend on what happens with inflation, right? And there's some things about
0: that to keep in mind if you're trying to predict where rates are going to be in November. So these bonds have two components to their rates. There's a fixed rate and an inflation rate. And when interest rates are high in general, that fixed rate will be higher. And then the inflation part, that fixed rate is good for 30 years, the life of the bond. But that inflation component of it, they look at the CPI numbers every six months and determine what that would be. So if inflation is 3%, and the fixed rate is three percent. The return on the bond for that six months will be six percent. But then in six months they might look at it and say, okay, inflation is two percent now plus the three percent fixed rate, so now it's five percent, and it will reset. Right. So right now those beautiful bonds that they're you know catching all the headlines have a zero percent fixed rate and a four point eight one percent inflation rate because when they created these that they the, the, the the interest rates they use as an index to set the fixed rate is still very low or zero and the inflation component is high so theoretically in november if inflation magically disappeared the return could be zero it's not going to be zero but the other thing to keep in mind then is what is what is cpi it's looking at what is inflation today compared to 12 months ago so right. last may inflation was still negligible, like close to to zero because we were coming out of, still coming out of the COVID recession. And now it's jumped. So looking at, you know, next to zero compared to today, that's a big number, right? What's going to happen in November? Well, last November, we were already talking about inflation, right? It wasn't the high rate it's been in January, February, March of this year, but it, was somewhere in between that and zero. And I, I should have looked it up ahead of time. But the November rate, when they set it, will be comparing this November to last fall. And then next mm-hmm. May, when they compare, it's going to be whatever inflation is then compared to this May. And it may likely be negative zero. So by next year at this right. time, I wouldn't be surprised if these same bonds, the old you know bonds you buy today are actually paying 0%. I'm not predicting that, but it wouldn't surprise me.
1: Yeah, and, and for more infl- or for more um, insight into the discussion on inflation, we did have a podcast. I'll put it in the show notes of this one to kind of get our thoughts on inflation and, and what's happening. And we talked a lot about that in that podcast, so we won't repeat a lot of it. But some of the inflation is stuff that we feel will probably go away, supply chain issues, things like that. So it, it seems like those numbers will start to come down. And then you're right, when we start comparing next year to where we're at right now, you know, it's not a given that inflation is going to be higher. So, and, and I guess that to your point is the risk, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the risk is you're buying this assuming that your rate, because the fixed rate right now is zero, mm-hmm. you're assuming that inflation is going to remain high and continue to go up because that's the only way that you're going to get uh, interest rate on these bonds is right. if inflation goes up because the fixed rate right now is that right? Up. Right. It's not that
0: we're against I bonds. I think they're they're fine, but you've got to keep them in. This isn't a replacement for your stock and bond portfolio. Stock market's lousy. Treasury I right. bonds are paying a lot. Let's move. You know, and you can't. Too. We'll get to how you buy these in a minute, but they're not meant to replace yeah. that. What they can be good for is a complement to your cash holdings that right. because of the way they work, I would think of them not as part of money I need to have liquid in the next 12 months, but money that all things being equal, I need it to kind of be in cash and safe things. Um, like, like I would see them as a good replacement for part of someone's certificates of deposit or high yield savings account, Mm -hmm. but not all of it. And with an idea that over time, if it's a high inflation period, that's going to look better. There's going to be other times when regular savings vehicles will look better, but it's, it's, and I also wouldn't, the other thing to think about is when to buy them and We're not market timers when it comes to the stock market, and I probably shouldn't be a market timer when it comes to I-bonds either. But if you buy them all today with a zero fixed rate, you're probably going to be a little disappointed at certain times during the life of that bond. Mm -hmm. If you're going to buy a lot of them at once, you want to buy them when that fixed rate is high and inflation is low. Like 1998, when these things were right. new, inflation was wasn't yeah. that big a deal. It was under. It was higher than it, it. It was actually higher than what we've experienced since then. But it wasn't like what we have today. But interest rates. I, I started in this business two years after that, in 2006. You could get six percent on a money market at that point. Okay, right. I remember clients buying Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac bonds at seven percent, seven and a half percent. Those things are almost zero these days that's a good time to buy them because the fixed rate on these bonds would be high. And so if you, so, so if you owned a bond that you bought it with a high fixed rate, you would be getting that today plus the 4.81%. You know, right. And so buying them when rates are high, you're going to get a, a nice return for six months or when inflation is high, you're going to get a, a nice return for a short period of time. But to really know that they're going to be a good investment down the road, you want to buy them when when rates, when the fixed rate is high, when interest rates right. are high right. and where everybody thinks interest rates are high right now because mortgages are 5%. Look at the historical average on mortgage rates. 5% is nowhere near high. It's just higher than what we've had yeah. for the last, <laughs> you know, 10, 10, 12 years. You know, you want to buy them in a high rate environment and hold them if you're going to hold them for the long term.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, going back to your point about being a good potential diversifier of your cash holdings, um, you know, obviously the 0% interest rate isn't ideal, Mm -hmm. but Compared to what you might be getting in money markets or mm-hmm. you know, CDs, you're only getting a half a percent to if you're locking up in a CD for 12 months, maybe 1%. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're giving up a whole lot for the potential to protect against inflation. Mm-hmm. So that might still be something that makes sense with a portion of your cash holdings to kind of protect against inflation because One thing that we're noticing and and we'll probably continue to notice is even though, like you said, interest rates are going up, mortgages are going up a little bit right now, we haven't really seen a whole lot of movement in cash because of, you know, you, you, there's a couple different reasons for that, but essentially banks have been operating at such low interest rates, it's hard for them to increase mm-hmm. their interest rates when they're all of their loans that are on the books are at low interest right. rates. So they can't pay you more than what they're getting on in their interest rate payments yeah. for the cash that you have. Yeah. You know, I think it will be a little bit of time before we start to see cash rates go up. So it might still be a good hedge against yeah. that because you do get the inflation per. per or the inflation protection. So, so let's talk about
0: how you buy i bonds and how you sell them because that kind of that kind of steers our advice. Like, why wouldn't you? Why if if you got a big chunk of money sitting in a savings account right now at zero, why wouldn't you push it all into Treasury i bonds? Right. And and so you can buy these bonds. The easiest way to do it is to set up an account at TreasuryDirect.gov and buy them electronically. You also can can buy them in paper form, the old-fashioned savings
1: bonds, you can only... That would probably be a fun adventure to try to buy a, a paper yeah. one. So, yeah, well, and I think they, the <laughs> limits, so we're going to get to the limits
0: here in a second. And I think the limits directly have to do with how much the government really wants to be dealing with paper. If you buy them electronically, <laughs> you're allowed to buy up to $10,000 a year, okay? If you buy them in paper form, you're only allowed to buy $5,000 a year. You know, if you're thinking, boy, I've got this huge high balance savings account, let's push it all into I-bonds, be aware that, you know, you are limited in how much you can buy. These bonds earn in interest for 30 years. You can cash them out after one year. Okay. So again, don't put money that you're spending to, you know, fix the hot water heater in July into I-bonds because you may have to put that hot water heater on the credit card until you can cash those I-bonds in. After the first year, you can cash them in. But if you cash them in during the first five years, you're also going to give back three months worth of interest. So if you think you can buy the I-bonds at 4.8%, wait and see what the November rate's going to be. And if you don't like it, cash them in and put it in something else, you're undoing all the good you did during that time so right. don't think it's a replacement for all your cash or a substitute for stocks and bonds until you feel better about the stock market it's it's a it's a tool but it's not the whole toolbox
1: yeah and with those restrictions you have to be careful with like what you said in terms of you know when do you, when do you anticipate needing this money because we are talking about your cash right yeah. so if you if you know you're going to need your cash not a great place for yeah. that. Even if you think you're going to need it after a year because of those interest penalties, you know when you when you do the math and start subtracting the interest, you might not end up very much higher than what you would in a normal money market account, and in which case you have full liquidity. So you know, be real careful about how you think about these as a part of that cash portfolio, Um, because what you don't want is to be given up interest or being stuck in there for 12 months yeah. and, and some, and the other thing to think about too, we talked about waiting until interest rates are higher. That's the other thing. If interest rates go higher and so maybe the base fixed component goes from 0% to 2%, well, you can't really cash out and then buy a new one in that first five yeah. years either. So something to think about when you're thinking about how much to put in and, and how to make this a part of your cash portfolio. Uh,
0: neither of us espouse market timing, but let's say you're somebody with who has extra cash flow every month and you're trying to decide where to put it. And and if you're just trying to think about it in terms of where's the best place to put $1,000 in May of 2022, the strong argument would be, given what the stock market's done over the last six months, buy stocks with it today, not treasury um, I-bonds. Right. you know, um, And then... The time to you know, as, you know, fast forward, you know, down the road a year or two, and you still are investing that money every month. You know, if the market's recovered and inflation is tame, but interest rates are higher because the Fed's going to raise interest rates to tame inflation, right? Then maybe that thousand dollars a month should be going into something more like this, you know. I'm not advocating that, but if you're, you know, that's the kind of mindset you're in that it's like, what do I do with my next dollar? That 4.81%, you know, use their 9.62% teaser, if you will, annualizing Mm -hmm. it isn't the place for new money to go today. If it's just like long-term investing, what should I do with the next dollar?
1: I think the flip side of that, you know, we've been kind of, I, I guess we've been, somewhat negative on these, not because we're negative on them in general, but we just want people to know well, what's going yeah. on as opposed to just saying, Hey, 9%, let's get as oh. much of this as we can. <laughs> There's yeah. no such thing as a free lunch, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah. we want people to yeah. be aware it's of. So. <laughs> the, only,
0: the only quotable thing from Jim Cramer. There's no such thing as a free <laughs> lunch. And, uh, and uh, I think I think he expands it to say the only free lunch is uh, diversification. And I'll agree with him on that. But uh, yeah, when I saw that headline last week, um, I was like, oh, yeah, not to, and again, I was like, uh, you know, our knee jerk reaction sounds negative because we know that we're going to get a bunch of questions and people are going to misconstrue it, not that it's a bad thing in and of itself, but it's just adds to the financial misinformation floating around out there, you know, as though it's a yeah, good idea.
1: Absolutely. So, and, and like we said, I think it's a good spot for, um, some of your cash that you don't need right away. And we do have clients who prefer to have more cash on hand than maybe, mm-hmm well then we know, we know they don't need that much cash on hand but it makes them more comfortable and right. like we're all for that and this might be a great way to take some of that cash and put it into yeah. something that we know will at least keep pace with inflation yeah um, because traditionally cash does not do that and so you know that's a great spot for some of that cash if you're one of those people that likes to have extra cash on hand at least we know with i bonds you're going to be at about what inflation is and so that's not necessarily a bad thing at least yeah you you're not losing money on them right yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I agree with that.
1: As always, uh, if you have questions on I bonds or wondering what role this might play in what you're trying to do, feel free to shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. We will go ahead and put some of the links to more yeah. information on I bonds in the Treasury website for you in the show notes. So be sure to check them out. And as always, Dave, thank you for all you do, sir. <laughs> thank you. Dave. <laughs> That's Talk to you later.
0: Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.